1: right this way.
0: It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated, continental extreme, contact DWS 06+. But did you know, they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to tirerack.com/colon tirerack.com, tire the way tire buying should be.
2: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years.
1: Made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. The volume. Colin Cowherd Podcast brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. All right. Second, third round of the NFL Draft are wrapping up. I bring on John Middlecoff, former NFL Pro Scout. Chad Millman will join us in about 30 minutes. He will, as always, be an absolute riot. All right, John, my takeaway early, the Miami Dolphins, through their first four picks, got four starters. Now, Javon Holland, um, not necessarily a big physical safety. Um, I mean, listen, he's a good player. He'll start for them. He was the second safety on the board. They passed on the TCU safety, but I thought Liam Eichenberg starts for them now at left or right tackle. Jalen Waddell is going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, Jalen Phillips. I think Greer is doing a nice job. Miami to me looks like they got four starters with their first four picks. That was my takeaway. You know, after that, once you get to fifth and sixth picks, a lot of shoulders shrugs for me because I just, I just don't know. But... That's kind of my takeaway. I thought Miami found four starters. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, they, they were, they've were they done a good job of acquiring assets and turning them in. I mean, the, the, yesterday, Waddle's a big-time player, and he obviously has a rapport with the quarterback. To me, they were good last year, right? They won 10 games last year kind of out of nowhere. The coach is good. I think he, they have one major question mark. Can the quarterback play? Right. You know, you and I have talked about robotic it obviously physically doesn't look like a lot of the top guys. So to me, th- th- he's one of the biggest stories in the league. Like this guy went from tank for Tua, number one overall pick to coming off a major injury. So I think let's all give him a little bit of a, you know, a, not a pass, but just you understand it this year. If it looks bad, they got a problem because part of, they were in position to take one of these quarterbacks, right? They could have taken Trey Lance. They could have taken Justin Fields. They could have taken Mac Jones. And they, they went all in on Tua. Right move, right? They trade back, acquire multiple first-round picks from the Niners, trade back up to six, still get a star wide receiver. Like you said, get a tackle. So they have multiple tackles the last two years. Take the kid from USC, the Notre Dame tackle this year. But all that stuff's great. But if your quarterback play sucks, you're in trouble. That's what this
1: league is now. So I, that, to me, is the – that's their only question mark. They're good. You know, it's, it's interesting with the Jets. I know Jet fans are getting fired up. But I'll, let me play devil's advocate, and I like Joe Douglas – So they probably don't upgrade at quarterback the first year because Zach Wilson's a rookie, and it's a great defensive head coach division. He's going to be a little over his skis. They do upgrade on the offensive line with Elijah Vera Tucker. But their third pick, Elijah Moore, very good player from Ole Miss. I I watch a lot of SEC football. He can play. But they have Corey Davis. I mean, they went and spent a lot of money at wide receiver. Jamison Crowder's fine. They have Denzel Mims last year. And I thought to myself – There's three really good running backs. You didn't get any of them. Asante Samuel Jr., the corner was there. I don't know if I love the pick. I mean, is that a classic? He was the best guy available on our board? I
3: mean, I was told that they were going to go with the North Carolina guy, talking to people in the league earlier today. That's what what I thought they were going to do. Yep, so did I. I had a buddy that said, listen, I, I I watched Elijah Moore during the season. We had him in the third round. He's like, I asked some of my friends around the league. They had him, you know, late, second, early, third. He goes to his pro day. He ran like a four three five. Naturally, you just kind of get bumped up when you're that fast. But is he really that fast? Now, I think they're looking for a speed demon. One thing Zach Wilson did a lot last year was hit big plays down the field. So you just try to get him with a the player that can hit the ball down the field. Like you said, they have a little bit of an offensive line now. You protect them. But that, you know, those speed receivers, for every Deshaun Jackson, some guys are terrible, right? They're very hit or miss.
1: I mean, John. Super fast guys. I can argue they have the worst running back unit in the league still. Well,
3: Frank Gore was our starter at 70 years old last year. I mean, what were they doing? I I mean, that's crazy,
1: Colin. And it's really, to me, it's really a three running back draft. I, I just, it was a two corner draft. Everything after that, you're talking about injuries, length issues. I, I don't know. I I, I I do think sometimes, Colin, you can have a philosophy
3: internally that you just believe we don't draft running backs this high, and you just kind of stick to it. But I I, I do think you got to be open minded sometimes with stuff like that. But again, I heard from people that know Joe Douglas that thought coming into today. Clearly, the Jags weren't going to take a running back, right? They just took ETN. He's like, they're just going to land. North Carolina kid's going to land right in their lap. <laughs> and they passed on him. And the Broncos traded up to get him. That,
1: Broncos having a good Broncos are good. They're a talented team. They just don't have a quarterback. What do you make of well, Urban Meyer? So he got a quarterback. I don't have a problem with ETN, and my theory is this whole bell cow running back thing is mostly nonsense because... You know, Christian McCaffrey, the bell cow, now is all banged up. Saquon Barkley's hurt. Ezekiel Elliott's yards per carry have gone down every year. I like two backs. I don't have a problem with it. Um, then they go out, and they get the best Georgia corner. Green Bay in yeah. the first round got the second best. And then they take Walker Little, who David Shaw told me years ago, he started as a true freshman at left tackle for Stanford. And I remember talking five, to him. Five star. Oh, yeah. David told me, he goes, Colin, I've never started – A left tackle as a freshman. He goes, This kid is a top first round pick. It's interesting. I I almost wonder if Urban really trusts David Shaw because you gotta trust him a little bit. He was an opt out and he got hurt. Your thoughts on Urban's last couple days.
3: Well, I think I think he's a good example. I mean, obviously I think Trevor's just an excellent player in ETN who's you know, who doesn't like Travis ETN. The thing with Little, once you get to the second round, you get a guy that has first-round talent, and there's a lot of guys that just, they're there for a reason, right? Back injuries, knees. I, I look up the highlights, Bryce Love and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, because the last time he played was guys that have been in the league now for three years, right? Yeah. He opts out, he's been injured. I think in 2019, his injury was the week one, so he missed the entire season, but... What teams love in a draft room, Colin, is when you go, this guy's a five-star recruit. This guy, when he's played, he's blocked X, Y, and Z that are now pros in the league. Now, it could be three and four years removed, but you go, he's healthy now, he worked well at his pro day. A guy like that, even if he's got injury concerns, isn't lasting to the fourth round. Landon Dickerson's a guy like that too, right? He's a big-time, five-star, baller at Alabama, but he's got multiple knee injuries, but you're looking at them in the second round. You're going, how do I pass on guys like this? That to me is a lot. In corners, Asante Samuel, the the back injury, the the safety from TCU had a back like that. That's just where these first round talents get pushed down. And I never
1: have a problem taking offensive linemen early in drafts. I mean, that's just the way you build a team. I got to be honest with you. I may be critical of Cleveland from time to time, but They've if had you a go hell of a draft. between free agency and the draft. They've totally rebuilt the back end of their defense, John. Totally rebuilt it. I remember watching, kind of crushing Justin
3: Fields. I th- sent out a tweet in that uh, in the Big Ten Championship game. And a buddy that does the area immediately texts me. He's like, you know, he's throwing at a first-round corner. And I think, well, a lot of times we don't look at Northwestern like we would most blue-chip programs. That there have a guy, and he's like, that guy's good that he's throwing at. And he was given you know, breaking up balls. And then, I, yeah, I mean, they were good already, right? Their roster at the end of last season was a top 6-7 roster in the league. Now, think of all the guys they've added, and Baker's just a little more comfortable in this offense. The offense, we've seen it with Shanahan, we've seen it with LaFleur, we've seen it with McVeigh is just very quarterback friendly. If their defense is good, are they the favorite to win the division? You know, I mean, the Steelers have quarterback issues. The Ravens just lose a lot of players every year in free agency. I I, I don't think it's crazy to say that, is this a 12-13 win team? If Baker just manages, you know, doesn't kind of try to play out over his skis because the talent is there. It, they have immense talent at basically every position.
1: I mean, the Raiders, they went and got a safety uh, second pick, which is, you know, they got about six positions of need. Uh, On the defensive side, Um, some didn't love the Niners' second pick. You know the Bay Area well. Um, Is there a the Giants' draft's been a little odd to me? Is there a draft you don't love so far?
3: Yesterday, the pick with Tennessee, we talked a little bit about them taking the, uh, the corner. Talking to someone today was like he's one. We thought he was one back injury away from career being over. And that's where I think the risk is in drafts with the injury guys. I mean, we just talked about, you know, the tackle from Stanford. Dickerson's one of those guys. Like, it's easy to justify taking the injury red flags, and then they get hurt at training camp, and then they get hurt, you know, in the game. And then you start going, God, there's a reason that guy was there when he was. But you're able to, you know, talk yourself into it because you go, the value's too good. I'm getting a discount. But the guy's on the discount rack for a reason. And in football, more than any other sport, these injuries, especially these back injuries, knee injuries, they usually don't go away. And I think it's it's easy to justify it because the film is outstanding for some of these guys. But you go, our medical doctor is telling us, well, I don't know. And GMs usually they just they end up taking those guys because you're just a sucker for the talent, and a lot of times you just get burned. I mean, Trent Baalke, remember, had a stretch where he just took all these ACL guys just because, oh, everyone bounces back from an ACL. Not really. I mean, uh, it's actually less guys come back as as consistently as good as they once were than you think. But you would just assume it's 100%. It's probably more like 50.
1: By the way, Aaron Rodgers, they have not addressed his needs. They took a quarterback and a running back first two picks. This year they go cornerback first pick. Russell Wilson complained, and they addressed it. They went and got Gerald Everett a tight end. Gabe Jackson offensive line. They re-signed Chris Carson, the running back, and their fullback, and then they get Dwayne Eskridge, a very interesting receiver from Western Michigan who T.J. Hushmanzada told me a week ago, and he's people good on this stuff. Yeah. people. So I will say this. You know, squeaky, squeaky wheel gets the oil or whatever they say. Russell complained they have absolutely addressed his needs, John. To me, they totally— you know, Aaron's complaint, it's almost like they're working against him. They're over him. I think Seattle's offense is better. New coordinator, throw that in. I told you yesterday, I,
3: I really think they get nitpicked because they've been so good, but they have been consistently aggressive since he's got there. Some not they haven't all worked. And then, like you said, this is a pretty good example. They go get a scheme that is working everywhere with the Rams. It's going to work well with him. They bring back Carson. They add players. Gabe Jackson's a good immediate starter. Yes. An immediate starter. So they are, but I also think Pete, and this gets back to what you always say about the organization, there's no owner. There's a there is a hierarchy in every other organization behind beside Green Bay. So it flows normally, right? That the the uh the hierarchy of power. And Pete's no dummy, right? Pete's played on teams without a quarterback. He understands what he has. The Green Bay thing, what has changed over the last 24 hours? Well, what are they really going to do? Like, to me, if he's adamant that he's not coming back, this is where I get to yesterday. Now, the timing, if I was Rodgers, I would have given him three or four days to so maybe help, you know, them think about it, make a real trade. You're, all, you're always better trading a player before a given draft because they get an actual pick and then an actual player. No Packer fan wants to go, well, the Raiders just gave us three first-rounders and Derek Carr. Well, we don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore and we don't have any of those picks till the future. Right? So... I think they're in a tough spot because under no circumstance can you trade them and roll with Jordan Love. Because if Jordan Love is bad, and we saw last year he couldn't win the backup job, those guys, will. I mean, their, their careers would be over in two or three years, right? I mean, Gudakins would never be a GM again, and obviously LaFleur's career would be done. So I, I think the risk of, you ha- if you're going to replace Aaron Rodgers, you either have to do it with a guy like Derek Carr, who can at least play and your team would could compete to go to the playoffs? Or yesterday, when the Niners were like, "Here's pick three. You guys want Trey Lance?" They could have. They had that opportunity, and they said no. Now I think they're kind of like, "What's Denver going to offer them?" They don't have a quarterback to trade them. I, I think they're in a tough spot. And Rogers put them in. Did it on purpose, right? Well,
1: I t- I talked to Thomas Dimitrov uh, today. This will air Saturday morning because um, we're watching rounds two and three. Um, he said he would talk to Aaron. He would call today. He's communicative. He said, I would address it immediately. But, you know, I I, I go back to something we talked about yesterday. He felt humiliated a year ago by the Packers. He's going to humiliate them. But I think it's interesting. First round, they make a reach in a corner. It, it's almost like now it's personal. Like it's personal now. You call us out, we call you out. You know, again, Seattle at least sometimes – you know, Kevin Durant's a little needy. Aaron's yeah. a little prickly. From time to time, you have to massage the top player in your organization a little. So the last, if you, if you take a look at their last three top picks, it's a quarterback, a running back, a position they had two very good backs, and a corner. Like at some point, I, I kind of get Aaron's pissed off. I get his frustration. I really do. Well, I, I got a move for you. Do you know what I'd do? By the end of the
3: weekend, I'd have Julio Jones on my team and give him the, my second round pick for next year or whatever. And be like, Aaron, you know, how about, how about do something like that? You would agree that's something Seattle would do, you know, if they were in a position where the guy was going to leave. They've they've historically done that, traded high picks for established players. Green Bay never does that, and they'd be like, oh, he makes too much money. Oh, we did the twenty one million dollars, right? They would they would find a way to just we can't get Julio. Just go get Julio Jones. They want to unload them, find a way, make a little cap room, get them on your team, and go. Aaron, now you got Julio, now you got Devonte. We brought back Aaron Jones. Let's just let's
1: have a year and just try to, you know, suck it up for a little while. Steelers draft is interesting. Running back, tight end, first two picks. This was the thirty-first ranked according to PFF, I believe, thirty-first ranked offensive line. So the top two guards are gone. The top two tackles are gone. You tell me, you've been a scout, can you upgrade your O-line 3rd, 4th, and 5th round? I mean, I think you could hope to land a guard or a center.
3: I mean, if you drafted 4th, 5th, and 6th round guards and centers every year, probably every other year, you're going to find a starter. Uh, to me, the problem was, and we all saw it, is Ben looked old as the season went on. Yeah, You know why, Colin? He is old. He's old. He's weathered. And he hasn't taken care of his body. No. And, and he just he's not a he's not a grinder slash he got the crap beat out of him for many years. And he played like Cam Newton, running around, shedding tackles, taking a lot for I remember early in the decade, he led the league in sacks for a couple straight years. He just got sacked a lot. Remember Bruce Arians ended up getting fired because they wanted to run the ball more and they're throwing the ball too much. Now their offense is pretty loaded. I mean, skill wise, they have a lot of talent around him, but if he's not good enough and he can't move around, like I remember the, the end of December and definitely the playoff game, he was a statue. He looked like Eli Manning. He could not move or Phillip Rivers. And he used to give you, he never ran like a Michael Vick or a Lamar Jackson, but he gave you mobility. That mobility's gone. He's just, he's a true pocket quarterback, which was never in the peak of his powers when he was a Pro Bowl. Never his thing. a playmaker. Thing. Yes. No. So I, you're asking him to play something, a, a way in which he never excelled at, and clearly, is not as comfortable doing. And like you said, the offensive line's not any good. So even if you guys got flying down the, down the sideline, well, if he has no time, I think it's going to be hard for them. I mean, their their culture, their talent, their coach, they'll be competitive. But I'd say they're pretty clearly the third team in that hierarchy in that division right now. Yeah, it's um... now the Browns. They got to do it over and over. But I do think Stefanski's pretty high level guy. The GM, like you said, it's good. Do your people like Stefanski? They love him. I mean, they think he is so sharp. They, they're a big fan. You know, he's like a less... When I worked with the Eagles, his dad was the president of the Sixers, and he, the, the family was just well-respected. I didn't know that much about him till probably the last four or five years, but I have a couple buddies that have known him for a while, and they loved him. Now, I didn't. they didn't think necessarily he's going to be some star head coach, but they're like, he's a good coach. He's really smart, and clearly he just... I think the key with any young coach, in my experience, is just being comfortable in your own skin. If you're an asshole, be an asshole. If you're a nice guy like Matt Nagy, he's an uplifter, be an uplifter. Be who you are. Kyle Shanahan, little edgy. Sean McVay, more happy. Just just be true to yourself, and guys will respect it. And I think he, you know, for an Ivy League guy that kind of took time, I think he's just very comfortable in his own skin. And I think part of that, Colin, is recently we're so quick to, like, make a guy a head coach. This guy was an assistant coach for a long period of time. So you just get comfortable in your own skin. You get to learn your strengths, your weaknesses. Arthur Smith's a good example. Longtime assistant coach. Really get to develop your football philosophy. You get to work for a lot of different head coaches. Now we love like the guy's been a coordinator for a year, make him a head coach. It's like, well, that's gonna fail more often than not. Back in the day, it Bill Walsh didn't become a head coach until he was like six, you know, fifty-five years old, 48. You know, now it's like every guy in their 30s, they gotta be a head coach. That's not the way the world works. No wonder a lot of these guys fail.
1: Well, it's really interesting. So the Packers could have gone yesterday for an edge rusher, Joe Tryon. Um, Greg Russo from Miami, they didn't. They went and got a corner. So the Bills and Tampa Bay got edge rushers. So in the second round, you're like, will Green Bay go get an edge rusher Um, or like another receiver. And so the first pick's a corner, second best corner on Georgia. And then their second pick's a center from Ohio State where they just let their Pro Bowl center go. So again, if I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm looking at that, you're not elevating me. We'll be worse at center. You took a reach at corner. Again, I, I, I just look at the Green Bay situation as not fixable. I think at some point, I don't know if you can trade you know, if you trade him, is it after June first you can split the cap up?
3: Yes, yeah, like you save seventeen million dollars. I read.
1: Let's be honest.
3: To me, the Raiders make the most sense because they have a quarterback to give them. They could be they could be competitive with. Okay. And Devontae and Devonte Adams and Derek are good friends and played together in college, so there's no okay.
1: poor there immediately. Okay, so okay, that's interesting. So we get Derek Carr. What else do we get for that?
3: Well, I think you just go. Well, Derek's worth the first round pick. Because if we just would have put Derek on the market in March, the Bears would have given us pick 20. The The Washington football team would have given us their – But you got to get something else. Pick. you got to get something else. Yeah, you, to me, Derek Carr and two first-rounders. I mean, that's essentially three I mean, first-rounders, well, but one of them is a quarterback. Is that enough? I mean, let's be honest. The Raiders can't get the first-round picks right anyway. Give them away. No. I mean, let's face it. Everyone's laughing at their first-round pick this year. I mean, it's kind of universally people think they screwed that one up. I, one thing I think the problem with the Raiders is – and I it's, I mean, it's a Gruden-run operation. It's not hard to trade up. If you have pick 10 and I'm at 18 or 15, I can offer you get to a number where you're always going to trade back. Anyone can trade up. It's harder to trade back. That takes some wheeling and dealing. That takes some foresight. That takes coming into the draft, knowing that you might want to trade back. The Raiders are always just content with not understanding the value and just be like, oh, we'll take him here. Well, you could have got that guy 20 picks later. So even if you could trade back 10 spots and take the same guy, you can acquire an extra pick. They never do that cuz Gruden's just like, "Oh, get my guy." Well, that's the the there's two separate parts of the draft. There's obviously acquiring the players, but there's what you pay for the players. It's it's a marketplace, and you want to pay the right price for every guy, and that's they they really struggle with that. They they really do. I don't I don't know if it's Gruden, if it's Mayock, I, it's just it's it's been bizarre for a couple years now, and and they do have some talent on their roster. I mean, they have they, uh, give Gruden credit; he's made Carr much more functional. They, I mean, they have stuff there, but their drafting is just little head scratching because they can't. Like yesterday, Howie wants Devontae Smith. Moodyly does a deal with Jerry, skips the Giants. Like he, people can wheel and deal. They just they always get stuck. It's like they they never whether they don't communicate well with other teams, whether they stay in their bubble. I, I, I
1: can't quite explain it, but it's pretty clear that they have issues with uh, with moving around. All right, folks. Chad Millman's around the corner. John Middlecoff. We just give you a taste. 30 minutes, that's it. These little instant reaction things. Uh, the 2nd uh, We're into the third round now. John, it's great seeing you. Always appreciate it, buddy. Good, good insight as always. Have a great weekend, Colin. You too. All right, football fans, the 2021 draft around the corner. FanDuel is hosting something cool, a free $20,000 mock draft contest. Put on your GM hat. It's fun. Predict just the top 10 picks in the draft, and you have a chance to share $20,000 in prizes. Easy to play. Just make your draft picks, get points for every pick you get right. The person with the most points wins the top prize. And don't worry. If you only nail a few, you can still walk away with a piece of it. Best part of the contest, 100% free to enter. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app, click on the free-to-play button, then lock in your picks for the 2021 draft, follow the action live on draft night. Easy peasy. Age and eligibility restrictions apply.
5: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: All right. Chad Millman, my buddy, Action Network. It is Friday night. The draft is going on as we speak, almost wrapping up second and third rounds. Okay, let me start with this, Chad. There's been criticism about New England, that they don't do their homework necessarily. This is what I've been told by people through the years. And the more Super Bowls Belichick won, the more power he has in the organization. And about mid to late January, he tells the scouts, I've got it from here. And Bill's not thought of as lazy, but I don't think they always do their homework um, with their draft. Here's a prime example. He relies on people he knows. Herm Edwards, he went and got Nikhil Harry. and. Story broke. Albert Breer broke the story that the scouting department did not want Nikhil Harry, and Belichick blew him off. So they go out and draft Christian Barmore, defensive tackle, Alabama. I have two different people who I trust who took him off their board because of some personal stuff they'd heard. I mean, even Nick Saban had to defend him during the year. That's classic he was a red flag guy for just two of the teams, two for two I talked to. So your thoughts, I mean, I just, I think Belichick, he has struggled in this draft. And Christian Barmore, Nick Saban had to defend him multiple times this year. Like, I I, I don't like the
6: move. Well, look, I can't, I can't speak to anything about Barmore, uh, but I do think it's interesting that there is always... In, in very specific instances, year after year, uh, Belichick trusting Nick Saban, right? Who's the quarterback that he wanted? Who's the quarterback that he drafted? And now last night, he's being praised for, dra- for, for staying in one spot and getting Mac Jones. And I, like I have been suspect of Mac Jones and Zach Wilson this entire process because I do not understand how quarterbacks and Trey Lance falls into this too. I do not understand how quarterbacks who perform for one year with in Mac Jones case, obviously they are head and shoulders more talented than everybody, but Zach Wilson, who is playing against a Supreme offensive line against terrible competition. He does it for one year and a few games. And all of a sudden he's a world beater. And it makes no sense to me why any quarterback, and I'm sort of veered from your question, but to me, it speaks to a larger issue of the lack of science in scouting. And these coaches, these scouts who fall in love with what they believe to be talent. It's like that great scene in Moneyball where they're all sitting around a table. The ball sounds great when he comes off his bat his girlfriend's ugly. He's got no confidence. Like they they are basing these decisions on things like just look at the film. Look at the film. Justin Fields played against top level competition for multiple years and was consistent throughout his career. Trevor Lawrence, same thing. Why are you not drafting the guys who prove it on the field? Don't give me he doesn't weigh enough. Don't give me his hips aren't good. It's like they try to outguess themselves so they can be the smartest guy in the room and make the pick that is going to make them seem like a genius instead of grabbing the gold that is right in front of them.
1: Well, I mean, Jordan Love had one great year. He gets drafted. Zach Wilson had one great year and gets drafted. I mean, if you go to high school and college, Justin Fields was dominant for like a five-year stretch. So I agree with you. So, okay, Trey Lance, and I think it was the right pick, Goes to the San Francisco 49ers. You have a story I'm
6: told. Here's a great story. So yesterday, uh, late morning, it's Thursday before the draft. I'm uh, getting ready to record my podcast, The Favorites, which you can listen to on the volume network. And uh, my co-host on the podcast is a guy named Simon Hunter who is a professional better. This is what he does for a living. The podcast for him is like, you know, a fun little thing and he gets to tell stories and talk about games and sound like a genius cause he, you know, wins us money. So before we start recording the podcast, he says to me and our producer, Matt Mitchell, uh, you guys, this is the bat phone. And the bat phone is his phone where his contacts, his connections, his outs are calling him. And he says to me, if the bat phone rings, I'm going to have to jump off because this is the, one of the three busiest days of my off season. And he's got six figures in bets that Mac Jones will not be the third player taken that he is not going to go. to. And he had been fading Mac Jones for weeks and weeks and weeks. He had been piling on every time. Like the numbers got higher about him not being number three. He kept going in, kept going in. He's like, I'm going to have to jump off because it will be information that I need to be able to act on quickly. And so, and and he's like, I'm sick to my stomach. I'm so loaded on Mac Jones, not going number three. And at this point, before you like heading into yesterday morning, everybody was believing Mac Jones was going number three. Midway through the podcast. No, right after the podcast is over, we stopped recording. He's like, I got to tell you guys, I got to jump off. I got news from one of my sources that The Niners are definitely off of Mac Jones, 100% off of Mac Jones on Trey Lance. I have to get back to the casino right now and get the rest of my money down. He races to the casino. I immediately bet on Mac Jones to not be the number three pick. We do a story about it. Later that night, Mac Jones, not the number three pick. Simon is swimming in it today. I'm feeling pretty good about it, but it was like just a great inside betting story about the mechanics of what you and I, we know nothing about. We think we know. All we can do is connect to the people that know, and we have better access to making those connections, but these guys are inside a different game. Listen,
1: um, yeah, I mean, I have sources, but my sources don't give me you know, they don't want to get in trouble. So don't give me any gems. And if they do, it's stuff that I talk about after the draft. Right. You know, we all have people listen, we all have people we protect. You give me good stuff. Uh, you know, I can I can accumulate more friends with uh, you know, honey than vinegar. So, you know, you you gotta take care of some of your sources, but that's a great story. Yeah. By the way, you're a bears you're a Bears fan, you're a Chicago guy. Yes. Ryan Pace drives me nuts. They've been hyper aggressive in this draft. I'll say this. We don't know Aaron Rodgers may play this year. He's not going to be there long-term. When you humiliate your franchise publicly, it's over. Get a lawyer. It may not be over now, but it's over. Justin Fields could be, have the best defense, and be the best quarterback
6: in this division in 12 months. Could he not? I love, love, love this pick. Uh, He has been a guy who in my very novice study of this process, I have loved, and I said this in the beginning, I have always believed, and the studies bear this out, the more you play in college, the better you are going to be in the NFL if you are at the level where you have a skill set that translates to the NFL. Clearly, Justin Fields does. It makes no sense to me that he was not the second player taken in this draft, given what he had shown in the field, given how he had matched Trevor Lawrence, throw for throw, throughout his entire career, not just against in that game against Clemson, but since they were in high school. So it just made no sense to me that there was a separation of 10 players and multiple quarterbacks. That said, I was so excited. My kid and I were screaming, we're yelling, the dog is barking. You would have thought we had won the actual Super Bowl. I don't mind the Bears giving up the extra first round pick next year. And if I'm pace, I'm thinking, why wouldn't I? If this guy doesn't work out, I'm gone. It's someone else's problem. And so, what really becomes the question is, do the Bears put pace into, I mean, to put fields into the offense right away and get him playing? Will that be detrimental to his development? How do you manage this? Because you got two guys in Nagy and Pace who are playing on one year deals. And so, it's really going to be interesting. Do they manage to play right away, to get fields to play right away? Do they worry about how that's going to hamper his development? Are they worried about their jobs, performance right away, all that kind of stuff? So um,
1: there, I don't think NFL people are rooting for Urban Meyer. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pettiness. Urban Meyer's having a very good draft. So he goes and gets Travis ATN and everybody kind of freaks out. But this whole bell cow running back thing is bullshit. Christian McCaffrey's falling apart, and Zeke every year as yards per carry go down. You need two running backs. This is not like, this is not college football. You need two. There's a reason... Nick Saban recruits three, four to five star running backs a year. It's like hard. So he gets Travis ATN. They have two good backs. He gets Then he goes and gets Tyson Campbell, the better corner for Georgia. The Packers drafted late in the first round, the second best corner for Georgia. He gets the best corner. Then he goes out and gets, and it's a great story. He gets Walker little, a left tackle for Stanford. So, Walker Little had an injury early and opted out, so people haven't seen much of him. So two years ago, I talked to David Shaw. I think it was off the air. It may have been on. It was off the air. And I said, uh, who's your favorite recruit? And he goes, we got this kid, Walker Little, from Houston. He's going to start as a freshman at Stanford at left tackle. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, He goes, this guy is a first-round guy. He got injured, and then he opted out. It may be the steal of the draft. He told me at the time when he saw him, he goes, he's a top 10, top five NFL pick. He told me this like two years ago. He's like, this kid is so good. So I don't think anybody's rooting for Urban Meyer, but I'm going to throw this at you. Tennessee looks worse. It's a weird division. Houston's a disaster. We think Carson Wentz works. If I told you Jacksonville ends up going like 9 and 8, 10 and 6. Chad, this is a weird, funky division. Fourth becomes first regularly. Tennessee is not as good. Okay, Houston may be a bottom three team in the league. How good are the Colts? They're good. I think Jacksonville's going to surprise
6: people. Oh my God, have you already started cocktail hour? That is, I have what it's small, it's tiny. That it's like you are dipping into the solo cup so hard right now. (laughs) Let me say something (laughs) that is insane. Trevor Lawrence, Mel Kuyper, last night I love Mel Kuyper, he is a gem of a guy. Pointed out that the four quarterbacks he has rated is like generational talents it was John Elway, it was Peyton Manning, it was uh Andrew Luck. And it was Trevor Lawrence. Brilliant. Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions his rookie year and was terrible. Okay. Andrew Luck got beat up so bad his rookie year that it lingered for the rest of his career and shortened his career. Trevor Lawrence is not going to be a winning quarterback in 2021. The Colts are likely to be the best team in that division. Frank Reich is probably the best coach in that division. I think the, Titan, the Tennessee Titans improved a little bit, but I don't know that they improved enough in the defensive backfield to really take over what the Colts can do if Carson Wentz can be 75% of what he was with Frank Reich. And don't, let's, let's not be clouded. Like Jacksonville is rebuilding their defense. They got to start over from scratch. All new people. Urban Meyer, amazing coach. But he is not a miracle worker at the NFL level where talent is so much closer together. He is not going to be able to dominate as he did in college football. Give him two years. I am not seeing them as a winning team. Okay, what's their record, Millman? Uh, let's see. It's a 17-game season. I don't, I don't think they, they have more than five wins.
1: Oh, come on. Stefanski. Stefanski never been more than a coordinator. Look what he did in one
6: year. Stefanski is special. Everyone knows that. Everyone is special what? Very very special talent. Come on. He's a genius. He's a boy wonder. He went to an Idaho school.
5: On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: I'm watching this thing because we're taping this thing as the second round is, oh my God. First of all, the Miami Dolphins are having a hell of a draft.
6: See, that is a team
1: that I love. Holy, I mean, by the way, if you're just, they got, oh my God, they got four starters in this draft. Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips. By the way, I watch a lot of Oregon football because I used to work there. Javon Holland at safety is a stud. And then they get Notre Dame's left tackle, Liam Eichenberg. So now they have a left Austin Jackson last year. So far, to me, the Dolphins are winning the draft. Four clean, no red flag players, four starters.
6: Right. I really like what they're doing. I agree with you. And let me just say one one more thing about the Jags. Their season win total right now is is six and a half. I would take the under.
1: What? Timeout. Well, let's say it again.
6: The Jags season win total is six and a half. And I would take... Well,
1: I'm taking the over. All right. That's my bet of the day. Well,
6: you and I got a little wager going.
1: Is this your bank account? Because I feel bad stealing money from you.
6: I'm okay with it. As long as it's a little, you know, you got a lot <laughs> more money than I do. You can take a little bit, a little taste. Six and a half. It's going to be the Jags under. I promise you. This is
1: seven. I'm oh, my God. I feel honestly, I feel bad to be your friend. Seven in 10. You will not take that. No,
6: the Jags are the divisions. Listen, their defense is dreadful. It doesn't matter how good Trevor Lawrence is. And I'm not going to get that excited that they drafted a safety who might make their defense better. A rookie safety who needs to do what? Is he going to quarterback the back of the field? Is he going to cover everybody? He's going to be confused for eight weeks of the season. He's not a miracle worker, Urban Meyer. He's just getting players that we think we might like. That's it so far. By the way,
1: so Tom Telesco is my buddy. He's very patient in the draft. So he gets Rashawn Slater to fall to him. They wanted a left tackle in a corner. And now in the second round, he gets Asante Samuel Jr. to fall to him. Arguably the third best corner. They were just patient. They had two neat. That's a good roster, by the way. That is a good roster. They got the two players. They 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 wanted, they like J.C. Horn a lot. Once they couldn't get him, Tom was like, I'm going to be patient. They got the second best tackle and probably the third best corner, maybe fourth. Sometimes just being patient in life pays off.
6: I will tell you, I am, I am all in on the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I have bought Super Bowl futures on the Chargers. I like them over nine wins for the year. I felt like Herbert, Justin Herbert last year, really just did not, he wasn't rookie great. He was thoughtful great. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference between a rookie getting on a hot streak and a rookie who looks like he understands the playbook and is making smart throws and is taking the chances when he needs to and is getting the ball into tight windows and making NFL throws. I thought that's what he did. He suffered greatly from horrible, horrible decision-making. And the talent that he has around him, he's got A-level talent. And so also, don't forget, Derwin James coming back. You want to talk about a safety who can make a difference and get a team over the top, get a team over their season. Win total the chargers at nine. Give me that. Don't give me the Jaguars. boy. Well, I can't have
1: both. I'm going to take the Jags over and the chargers over
6: fine. Why don't you take everybody over? Why don't you square this whole thing out? no, no,
1: that's a sucker bet. I am not yeah, a sucker.
6: Exactly. You sound like one getting all excited. about. <laughs> Urban, Meyer. Urban Meyer drafted a safety in the second round. That's the game changer. They're
1: hey, better hey, than adults. Come on. It's Friday. I'm on. It's a small solo cup. It's yeah. a tiny cup. It's like three quarters size. Yeah.
6: Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's get out of here. Action network. I'm going to take the chargers over. Is my bet.
6: Okay. Not the Jags. Uh, but I, I'm gonna, Jags yep. too. Stick Get with to Sleep it. on it. No, 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 no. There's no sleep. There's no sobering up on this bet. You came hard on the <laughs> Jags over. You're sad because you're taking my money. I'm telling you right now. Okay. Okay. Stick with, have some courage.
1: Okay. Jags over. Chargers over. One of those is a good pick. All right. Good talking to you, buddy. Right, Action brother. Network, Chad Millman. See you, man. All right, Middlecoff, the former scouts, great. So is Chad Millman, always big laughs. Thanks for listening at The Volume Sports, Twitter and Instagram. Rate, review, subscribe. Please follow us. We're having so much fun. Really nice NFL draft. Last couple of days, our staff at The Volumes kicking ass. I love it. I'll see you Monday on TV. I'll see you Monday on radio. And I'll have a podcast Monday morning on the entire NFL draft, summing up the weekend. See you then.